everyone. I have uh, Benjamin here with me today from the Anderson System YouTube channel. Ben reached out to me after watching the interview that I did recently on DID uh, because he himself has DID and he has a YouTube channel where he is very fascinating channel, actually, very creative, very interesting. So go and check it out called The Anderson System. I will leave a link below to Ben's channel. Um, but Ben had some things that he wanted to share with everyone about living with DID, misconceptions of DID, um, and just general information. So hi, Ben. How are you doing? Welcome to the channel. I'm really Thank pleased you so that you that you reached out to me. And when I looked at your channel, Ben, I I was just blown away, to be honest. Um, Thank you. By a lot, a lot, a lot of different things. So the creativity is off the scale. It's it's really incredible. Yeah, we love to create. Um, our system has, um, especially when it comes to music and making music videos and stuff like that. And just um, just expressing ourselves and what we feel, um, that's definitely something we want to put into our channel to, to just show that we express our, our I guess, our trauma through um, art. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's sort of, uh, yes, yes, you do, like Kim Noble, I guess you know, you know who Kim Noble is. Have you heard of Kim Noble? No, actually, I never heard of Kim Noble. Okay, so Kim Noble is um, an English woman. She, she's from the UK. And she was the first interview, the first person I ever interviewed for this channel. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you can go back and check her interview. Yeah, out. I will check that out. Yeah. Yeah. So Kim um, is an artist and um, she has DID and she's not co-conscious. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so she has painted incredible paintings. Um, and I'm not sure how many of her altars paint. I can't remember how many paint, but there's a significant amount of her altars paint. And they have completely different styles, completely different yeah. approaches to art. Incredible, incredible. Um, and uh, she's been on Oprah and all sorts of different things you know oh, cool. um yeah um social um media and and so on and uh yeah so check him out she she's great we went to actually visit kim um because she's in the uk when we did the oh interview. gotcha uh, so she's lovely i think you'd be interested to to see her work as well because she expresses her trauma she's healing her trauma through her art as well yeah yeah so, art is a very good outlet for it <laughs> we agree with that totally yeah, yeah. And it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because DID itself is a creative defense mechanism. Yes, hugely creative. How the brain figures out how to um, do that in, in the whole idea of what is consciousness. Like we can go into detail, but that's a whole nother metaphysical <laughs> thing I'm, I'm totally into. Like, you know, so yeah, it's definitely huge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so, um, so that in itself, yeah, is, is fascinating. Um, for example, with Kim, and I, I'm just wondering if this applies to you as well. With Kim, because she's not co-conscious, she says that she will do a painting. Um, she might get up in the night in and a certain altar gets up in the night and does a painting. Mm. Then she then goes to bed and Kim wakes up and the paintings in her art room. She she, she didn't she didn't know anything about it. Right. Yeah. Um, when it comes to oh, sorry about that. Go ahead. Um, I was just wondering about you, you with your um DID. Are you co-conscious? It depends on the actually the altar. Um, because we're going through therapy, so some altars are more advanced than others. Some altars I can be co-conscious with. And other authors, I am not so much so as, you know, I'm trying to work on that um, aspect of communication with them. So it can go both ways. Sometimes the amnesia barrier is high, sometimes a little, depends on which, how much work we have done through therapy. Have you, have you, do you find that you've been surprised by the creative abilities of different altars? Yes, yes, indeed. Very, very surprised by the creativity of different authors. Um, especially on um, Rachel, she's one of our trauma holders, our main trauma holder, and um, she does a lot of um, like um, she does some music, but she does a lot of poetry, 
And so some stuff she she um has a we have a, a blog and so sometimes she'll um just like write some stuff that I never saw before and heard before. And I'm like, whoa, that's pretty deep stuff. And I share I share with my therapist and I look at what she wrote, you know, and it gives them a more of an idea of what's going on inside of us as well, because of the stuff she says. I'm like, I didn't know we had that experience. Yes, yeah, it's it's incredible, isn't it? Really, I I've, I've yeah. watched Rachel, so yeah. I've, I've looked at her and um and seen some of the music, and um, she also created like a kind of avatar for herself. Yes, she did that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also, um, as um, a major trauma holder, she's also, um, she expresses anger as well, doesn't she, that needs to be expressed? Yeah. A lot of anger, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, we have a podcast, I don't know if the, one, the video that we did with the podcast, she really went pretty much to town about everything. She was pretty intense about all the trauma and everything. she was like just unloading everything. I'm like, whoa, that's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean... Yeah. I think the thing is, at the end of the day, um, with trauma, um, it's it's one of those things that um, I think it scares people a lot. Um, the anger, the, the, the understandable anger. If somebody's been traumatized, mm. there's going to be anger. There's exactly. going to be outrage, isn't there? Yes, that's the normal response to trauma. Yes, it's anger. And healing is something you have to learn how to do. So, yeah. Yeah, so I'm a big um, advocate for um, for you know creative and healthy angering, you know finding ways to be able to um, release that energy or move that energy through, without exactly. you know in creative ways, you know that that non destructive. Um, exactly, that's the that's the key word, non destructive. I agree with that, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and it's entirely possible, isn't it? And Yes. Yes. I think this is the thing that, that makes a lot of people um, shy away from dealing with their own trauma and also shy away from people who have been traumatized because it's this, mm. they're afraid of this, the potentiality for destructive anger. Yes. But anger itself. We, we, had, we had spots of that um, in our past. We had like spots of destructive anger. Yeah. And I'm almost trying to commit suicide and different things. So we had that in our past. But we kind of learned how that's not really a productive way to deal with our anger. So we decided to do more of an art, um, more art way of doing it. And also um, our spirituality has helped us out too, tremendously understanding of, of who we are and what's going on. That's that's really, that's really, really interesting and, and so important. Um, I noticed that you've got on your um, channel mystic and there's like a mystical um music video on that yeah yeah we're really into mysticism and understanding the nature of consciousness and understanding um just the different dimensions of consciousness like you know what is consciousness <laughs> like you know and um because a little bit about our past like um before we understood we had did well we used to do a lot of readings and stuff like that psychic readings and channeling and stuff like that but then we learned um Actually, Chandler actually helped us actually learn to communicate better as as, as authors. Because okay. Chandler really helped us out. That's really, that's so interesting. Okay, so before you had the diagnosis, you you were doing psychic readings. Yes, I, yeah, I was doing psychic readings. I was doing channeling and everything else. And um, I, I noticed there was a group of, I guess, quote, unquote, spirits. I know they were authors back then, but they were always staying inside of my body or inside of me. And I didn't understand what was going on. And I thought, well, what's the deal? Maybe they're just my spirit guys are staying with me. Or I didn't understand it. I told me to a psychologist. But I also knew there was something else wrong because I knew that those spirits had memories that were that were my memories. And I didn't understand what was going on. And so I was able to um, just search up, um, look online about the different... I just put the symptoms in Google and dissociative identity popped up. And I decided to go to a therapist to see if that's the case and... After a few sessions, um, it took him maybe like a year or two to diagnose me. He's like, "Here you go. I think you have you have DID." And I'm thinking, and then it, at first it took me for a loop. I'm like, "What's the difference between me chilling a spirit in an altar? Because it's the same. It feels like the same thing mm -hmm. in a way because mm -hmm. of the amnesia barrier. So if I'm trance channeling, sometimes I don't understand what's fully going through. But if I'm not trans channeling and it's just an altar, it's kind of the same process. Yeah. And so I'm trying to figure out what's going on here with consciousness. 
Yeah, I mean, wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. sort of yeah. yeah, it's I mean, that's just such a great question. I mean, how do you how do you differentiate? And the other yeah. thing is, I was gonna ask you is did your alters that you felt you were you were channeling, did they um pick up stuff, psychic stuff? They mm-hmm. did, which is mm-hmm. pretty out there, but they did. And and sometimes they'll tell me stuff that is almost like a almost like a psychic either prediction. Or they can just like read energy really well. If I see a certain person, some of my protectors have like a more of a psychic cue and say, that person's not really a good person to hang around with because they kind of like see their aura. And so to me, it's like, what is going on here? You know, so yeah, it's definitely, um, it definitely was hard for me. So actually, I stopped, I actually stopped doing readings for a while, which I'm still not really doing as much because I'm trying to figure out, okay, okay, how do I know if it's an altar front thing and then how do I know if it's just, if there's someone's grandmother wants to speak to them, you know, like, I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out. Yeah. <laughs> How do you differentiate between the exactly. two? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, it does make you wonder, doesn't it, about um, psychic ability, period. It does. Like, hugely. You know, is this sort of um, where it kind of comes from in a way? Because, exactly. Because of um, the nature of trauma itself because you're put under such extreme duress and we have a natural, um, you know, um, you know, ability, a natural desire to want to survive. And if you're put Mm. under immense pressure, it sort of makes sense that your brain would kind of blast into other areas to try to survive under that pressure. Do you know what I mean? I know yeah. exactly what you mean. Yeah. And somehow the trauma when they did that, because um after the after the event, I think the event happened to us like when it was about four or five. And after that time of like four or five that we had that event, we call it the event. We're only <laughs> that's the way we can um, actually understand it. Is that after that happened to us, we started to see stuff. We started to see um either angels or auras and, and different things. And um and there was a group of, I guess, you know, entities or authors, which we know now are authors that were that were were born i guess and so it was really really wild so we didn't know what was going on and so i got really involved in the metaphysics uh around the age of 10 to 12 and so and then i just just started studying that yeah trying to find answers yeah because yeah. there was no because i was also um my parents are also very religious and so i got a lot of religious trauma because they're very hardcore christian and um, when it came to my trauma, that's the reason why. It's because my grandfather, who, who was um a leader of, of in the church, and he's the one that um basically um did um some sexual stuff, which is pretty bad to me, and that's what caused the DID. And so that caused that was that was hard for me because um religion and spirituality was at first it was like connected to us, but then it got separated a little bit after that because I started to see and hear things in church and stuff like that that no one else can see or hear. Right. Okay. And did that lead to, um, were you kind of um, ostracized because of that? Were they saying that you're possessed? Yes, actually. (laughs) Yes, actually. That's what a a pastor told me. He says he thought I was possessed by a demon. And so he did exorcism and nothing happened. (laughs) Wow. I mean, that that definitely ruined us for a lot of years. Hugely. My ultimate thought they were evil. And I thought I was, it was, it was horrible. That is just so awful. I mean, to think mm. that, you know, the DID came from trauma in the first place and then to have mm. it to be sort of like, it's like it's like feeling as if the blame was being put on you, like there was something inherently wrong, which is what... Exactly. Yeah, which, I mean, that's what trauma makes people feel like in the first place, isn't it? Mm. That's the kind yeah. of things that you, you know... People yeah, we, like, yeah, we felt like shit. Basically, we just like, okay, what's the purpose of living anymore? You know, if God hates us, you know, we, we might as well hate ourselves. And the whole idea of God being a dad and, and a male figure, that kind of scared us too. So that explains why most of our authors are female, because we have a really fear of male authority. Right. And so I, I, I discovered that too as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So really, in a sense, this whole kind of... Um idea that people who are really showing symptoms of dissociative you know did are being labeled in churches as being possessed 
I mean, exactly. That's just that's something that needs to be. That's a myth that needs to be busted. Exactly. I'm like they don't believe in science. <laughs> it really blows me away. Yeah. Like really, like yeah. And so I don't know how many times the pastor had to pray for me to get this demon out or whatever, but it never happened. And so yeah, it was pretty pretty traumatizing. Yeah, I mean the other thing is the the idea that um, you know, I mean it's. It, it's it's one thing if somebody is doing something you know that is destructive but, but right yeah you know and even then a lot of times you know they need healing they just need healing yes healing and love like that's what jesus taught really it's like yeah. healing and love yeah and i'm like you guys have been doing what jesus taught it's kind of wild to me you know yeah <laughs> and hypocritical <laughs> Mm -hmm. yes yes you understand yes indeed. it's hypocritical isn't it yeah okay yes. so 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 you've been on quite a journey haven't you yes i've been very <laughs> quite a journey yes and it actually was a spiritual community that gave us more healing than the religious community because the religious community just thought this was something that was not you know where the spiritual community kind of embraced it they didn't really say it was they didn't know i guess some people i knew they know it was did they just thought i was just a channeler and so, and I don't know the difference anymore <laughs> of it because, you know, I have friends who trans channel and channel um, in, in groups and stuff because I'm part of a Reiki group. And so, but for some reason, you know, I, that kind of made more sense to me of the channeling and of just, you know, consciousness itself versus the whole idea that you're evil and the devil is kind of possessed your soul kind of thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I've looked at, interestingly, I've looked at quite a few channelers myself and just thought, hmm yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> the same thing as you just thinking oh okay you're channeling this person are you really or are yeah, they exactly. an altar you know are they an exactly. altar that's a good question because we always ask that question because sometimes we'll see a channel on youtube and we think it no nah, that doesn't seem more like did but sometimes we can tell that's not really you know yeah well sometimes we can feel that it, it could be maybe did with them but we're not sure but we don't understand either the difference between, again, a spirit uh, or a channel. We kind of call ourselves a soul and many ones, uh, many souls in one body. That's kind of how we describe ourselves. Yeah, that's actually, I really like that. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. So, okay. So how did you come, how did you come to find out that, so you, you were doing this channeling and, and, and you were, also told at church that you were you possessed with a demon yeah <laughs> so 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 it was was it googling were you just wondering thinking what is this and yes i just googled it because i was wondering what's going on because even during the sessions i have our clients um an altar would front and they were they would not really give that person information they were looking for it was all, it was all, all about me and i'm thinking why am i chilling about me <laughs> it's kind of weird <laughs> and so and at that point i had to look up and say there's something else going on here and so yes. I, as, as I looked that up, I just put this, the, the uh, what I was feeling, I was feeling the dissociation, I was feeling the amnesia. And so I just put those in Google and actually you know the DSM popped up, DSM-5, and it talks about um, DID. And I had one friend um, tell me um, previously, maybe like maybe like a couple of weeks before I put that into Google, she told me, I think you may have DID too. I'm like, no, I'm in the, she, she explained to me what DID was, multiple personality disorder, how it used to be called back then. I'm thinking, no, that doesn't make any sense. I don't think I got, I don't think I got DID at all, because I thought it was weird. Because I, I don't want to be one of those weird people that have like different people living inside of me. It kind of freaked me out because yeah. I always seen like movies like Sybil and stuff like that. I'm like, oh no, I don't want to be that person. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this is the problem, isn't it? With this, um, this is a problem with the media and stuff like this, and Hollywood and you know, sensationalizing or doing the opposite and making it a something terrifying um yeah. and, and scaring people away from the truth and keeping people yeah. from healing which is a disgrace yeah it's it is really it really yeah. is yeah because the media has no really good representation of dissociative identity disorder most people they're portrayed mostly like killers like the movies split you yeah. know like like my yeah. authors have no desire to murder people <laughs> like that's weird <laughs> no yeah they yeah. all that yeah your the altars are formed just to survive to yes. actually to survive someone else's violence. It's exactly. I'm glad you said that. Exactly. That's what authors do. They have no desire to hurt anyone else, anybody else. They wanted to survive. So exactly. 
I'm glad you said that. So, so with your, um, so did you know anything about your trauma before? Uh, a little bit. Um, I knew about my trauma because my mom says she took me to a, um, a specialist where I was maybe like six or seven. And um, uh, the specialist told my mom I may have um, MPD, which is multiple personality disorder, when I was like seven. And she, wow. But my mom didn't really follow up. They actually they gave me um, the, the, the um, therapy I needed because my mom was dealing with so much stuff. Like she was basically on drugs 24-7. And so that's a whole nother thing that I think caused my trauma because of the neglect. She was never there. She was yeah. always um, on, on the couch pretty much drugged out. And so she never really um kept up with the therapist who wanted to help me with which which I know is now with DID. I could have had help a long time ago, but right. Um, so I guess this diagnosis I have now is like my second one versus the first one I got in the early nineties. And so yeah, she didn't really help do anything to help me out. She, and she told me this a few years ago because now she's definitely rehabilitating off drugs and she really feels bad for what she has done to me. But yeah, she, and so she didn't really help me out um too much because. Not only did my grandfather um did something evil to me, so also did also my uncle did something to kind of a similar thing. And she and she told me about that when I didn't know about that part, but she told me about that one. Right. Yeah, because so often this is um multi-generational, isn't it? These these Yes. Mm. Yes, and the fact that my mother was on drugs and most of my aunts and uncles were also on drugs who so just totally out of it. I'm thinking there must have been something my grandfather was doing. So yes, definitely, trauma is definitely multi general, generational. I definitely agree with that, and I definitely want to stop the cycle because I have a son. I want him not to deal with that same cycle because energy can go in that way. And so you got to definitely stop the cycle of that energy. Yeah, and that's that's um, that takes a tough person. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. It does because that person has to be uh, willing to deal with the trauma the tra- deal with it and heal it yeah. yes exactly yeah and i think a lot of people in my family didn't want to deal with the trauma and so it just became chronic and no one actually got healed from it and so yeah. i'm like it can start with me if i choose to do it, and i do choose to do it like you have to make a choice and say no what enough is enough and stop the trauma yeah well you know that that's amazing that you you're doing that and that you've you've made that yeah. choice so you know yeah. respect huge amount of respect to you for that thank you yeah and for yeah. getting through it in the first place yeah and i also think my authors because sometimes i get really mad at them because they may do things that are like i'm like that's just why you do that that makes no sense you know or like sometimes um one of our persecutors kevin he'll come out and he'll like he's not a jerk per se he actually got better he used to be a really a real asshole but he's not anymore he's more more like kind of like He's a he's like my asshole. Like he's like really like my friend now. Like I can't describe him. But he's a lot better person. Yeah. So, yeah. so so did you find did you find that um how have you found therapy? Have you found that people are informed enough? Open. Oh, enough? actually, that's a good question. Yes. Um, I actually I actually could share with you my um history of therapy. Because um after um that I, when I when I initially went to therapy when I was after five or six when my mom she totally dismissed the MPT thing, I went to therapy again and I was actually in college and the interesting thing I, I was actually in um, in seminary Bible college because I actually was wanted to be a pastor for some reason I don't know why but I was really religious back then extremely and so I went to um a Christian college and they, I went to a Christian therapist because I was just dealing with a lot of depression and a lot of stuff and um and uh I told her that I have these people that are living inside my head and I don't want to know what's going on. And she says, I think you're possessed, blah, blah. And she's a therapist. And so I got really, really like, okay, no more therapy. If she thinks I'm possessed and I'm gonna have the devil inside of inside of me. But I thought she would be more open, but um the Christian therapists are not open at all. So I decided not to go to a therapy at all for like maybe like 10 years, maybe 15. I was like, I'm not doing this crap anymore. Then I met another then I met another therapist, which I have now, which my friend suggested me to go to go go to that person. And he's amazing. He's a, he didn't actually know much about DID. He says in school, then we had like one chapter or less about DID and they kind of skipped through it. So he says he's learning from me. He says, I'm a teacher about how, how DID works. That's really cool. So, yeah. you, so you're not only um, breaking the cycle, you're also educating people, therapists. Yes. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's great. He's he's willing to learn. So like I tell him my, my story, he's like, wow, I'm learning so much about DID and how um, ulcers work and how things work. So that's he's the fact that he's open. Yes, it helps me out a lot. And I was afraid at first that we may front before him and I was afraid that it may happen, but it eventually did and he was cool with it. And so he has like different relationships with Rachel, Nicole, or whoever may be fronting. He has this different um, kind of um, levels of relationship with them, which is great. So with your therapy, so you found a good therapist who was comfortable yes. and yes, also actually, wanted to learn from you. Sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, about that therapist, actually how I found them, I was through a client I actually did readings for. <laughs> and she's like, and I told her about what's going on. And she's really cool because we have become like, she's more more of a friend now than the client. And so yeah. she suggested this therapy therapist for me. She says, Adam, I think you should go see this therapist. And she said, he's really interested. He's um obviously he's a licensed therapist, but he's also um open to spirituality and stuff about spiritual stuff. I'm like, oh, that's great. So I went to him, and she was right. It was exactly what we needed as a system. That's really cool. So that must have been so um I don't know, like relieving to you to actually be able to yes. just be yourself, right? Yes, and also validating too, because we actually because we got so much in invalidation in the past about what's going on with us. Either they don't think that we have some weird demons are coming through us or or that we're just faking it or something so the fact that you have um uh, someone that is also that can just validate your experience heals you a lot it really does a lot because you really think okay i'm not crazy something really is going on and someone can actually help me get through this um process and so it really helped help out a lot that's really cool okay so with the therapy how what's your therapy journey been like it has it could you sort of describe it a little bit like how it works and you, the benefits that you're gaining from it and the insights and stuff yeah like um the benefits yeah i'll say um we we do it mostly online because my therapist he used to live here in portland oregon but then he moved to um, north carolina and so now right now we're doing it online is so how we kind of um basically doing it but um he just basically um just uh lets us you know, tell them what's going on through the week and stuff like that and how what's going on with us. And so it's kind of like an open-ended kind of therapy session where he doesn't get, he does trauma work with us, but he doesn't get too deeply into it because he doesn't want to shut the altars down and shut me down. And so um, we don't get into the deep specifics of exactly what happened, you know, from, you know, frame to frame kind of thing. But so it helps us out a lot. So we can speak about our, our, our trauma in a general sense and he kind of helps us work with that. And he's a really, really big um uh guide to meditation which we love meditation too as well and so meditation actually helped us ground ourselves more because grounding is huge because trauma is energy and so to, to ground that energy it's really really good to do that oh yeah that is so cool that you brought up meditation um because yeah absolutely and it is and it, it's like yes trauma creates ungrounded energy doesn't it yeah it does hugely ungrounded so we learn yeah, so we're trying to learn how to work through the underground energy. Yeah. yeah. So have you found, is your aim in your therapy to integrate? What What's your aim? Yeah, that's a good question. Yes, um, alters do not want to integrate. Um, we decided that we want to be more of a functional multiplicity kind of system because we feel that it is much more a route because we, have, we all have our own individualities. Like, you know, me, I'm one of the alters. I'm one of the gatekeepers in the system. And I don't want to go anywhere. So I told Adam, I said, dude, I'm not going anywhere. I want to stay right here. So, and so and he agrees. So he's like, yeah, well, I definitely agree. He definitely agrees with that. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, that's sort of quite an, um, you know, uh, a question, isn't it for people? I think, cause I, I've met, I've done quite a few interviews with people with DID on this channel. Mm. Okay. And people have taken different, yeah, different routes to healing um and one lady um integrated um oh, wow. well, she she decided to go that route she just did that route oh, yeah of, yeah, of, yeah each person has their own route they need to take yeah exactly um but more often i've come across people who don't want to that they are very comfortable and they're happy with mm. how they are one yes, thing yeah so something that which is very understandable because of the unique different identities it makes sense yes. to me yeah that makes yes. sense to me yeah yeah 
So yeah, because each each author um has their own backstory and stuff like that. And so with that, I was actually looking to past lives. <laughs> actually, I was thinking, well, what's the deal here? Like, why do they all have their own different um stories? It's interesting. So yeah. So I was looking at all kinds of different kinds of stuff because no one really had a solid answer to what's going on here. Not even psychology. They they're seeing the brain splits, but that's about it. So it was like you know, it's it I'm really glad you brought that up too. Um past lives, because I yeah. think um I mean, from my own from my own experience, um, I um, I had a, a trauma memory come up, and initially I thought it was a past mm. life memory because it was so outrageous. Because yeah. it was yeah. so outra- it was so crazy. It was yeah. so outrageous. It was totally like from another it. you know world almost. So yes, um, I understand it. Yeah. So initially I thought it was a past life, and. <laughs> You know, um, I sort of laughed at myself, like down the road a little bit. I mean, understanding why I would have thought it was a past life, but it made me think a lot about the whole past lives thing, and you know how much of these past lives are actually trauma memories for people, but they think it's a yes. past life, right? I can see that. I can definitely see that. Yes. Yeah. And um, also, it's interesting because now um, scientists are talking about how genetics can um, hold trauma memories. So I kind of, I, I read that on Google. I'm like, oh, that's interesting that your, your genetics itself can have that trauma from way back then. So in a way, it could be a past life, but maybe it's your grandfather or someone else that's beyond, you know, this, you know, back then. Kind of interesting that how yeah. genetics and trauma work. Yeah, it is. It's fascinating, isn't it? There's so yeah. much that we don't know. But I think, you know, I think one of the reasons that I was so keen to have you on is, well, what firstly, because you're a guy, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm a dude. Yeah, you. you yeah, some of us are. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Nicole um, says, thank you very much for saying that. Uh, sorry. One of my authors, she spoke in my head. One of my authors, Nicole, she just spoke <laughs> in my head. And she says, thank you for saying that. It's just wild. She's sticking up for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So, a lot of times, um with guys they i think society makes it more difficult for them to talk about trauma i think especially sexual trauma yes especially Mm -hmm. that yeah because Mm -hmm. as a man you feel like you've been um like you've been emasculated in a way if we talk about um trauma because like i don't know for some reason it is it feels weird as a guy to do it i guess it could be male ego or can be even society that puts it on men to saying you're strong enough you don't have to talk about this stuff and almost, almost like, you, like they make you feel like, oh, you must be a girl if you talk about your trauma, but it's kind of dumb. And so, yes, as a guy, you know, men have trauma too. So, yeah. Yeah, they do. And the other thing is, I think, I mean, well, I don't think I know from from uh, working through my own trauma as well, um, that it takes a lot of guts to do that. I mean, it, yeah. it, you know, if you want to talk about strength, the strength is in facing the trauma, not from running, not from not from the whole boys don't cry pushing it down. That's much yes, easier. I'm glad you said way. that. Yes, you mm-hmm. said you summed it up perfectly. The whole idea of boys don't cry. And I, I remember how many times I got like spanked or hit because um I cried. My dad used to tell me stop crying, stop crying. And it's interesting because when I see that memory, I see myself as a female, and it must have been one of my oldest fronting, and she was crying. But um, the fact that, you know, like the whole idea that men don't cry is stupid because crying is a good emotion. There's like, there's no bad emotion. You know, emotion is something you experience, it's something you feel. And with that emotion, you release that, it's good. It's because it's energy. But yeah, yeah, uh, for so long, we kind of had like our emotions stuffed up and it's not, it wasn't really healthy. Absolutely. And my, my mom used to say, I'll give you something to cry for. Oh, I had that say it's oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean what a what a ridiculous thing to say to a crying child. They're already crying. It, it's just yeah. ridiculous. And it's sad. And I, I sort of feel, you know, sad for people because you know that in in saying that they're also shaming and repressing their own child and their own yes. emotions. Yeah. But I, I kind of way like our system, we've been thinking that that vibration of, of that is changing. I think people are waking up more and more, and they realize that you don't you don't supposed to do that. You know, and I think hopefully when people wake up more and more, that the next generation will not have to deal with that crap that we dealt with. That they realize that you know you, you don't raise a kid that way. 
And no, so you hopefully don't. we yeah, so we have like hope that at least the vibration of humanity will actually will increase in that, you know, we won't be have that same kind of mentality we have because that old mentality is very destructive. Very destructive. Yes, it is. And it's the it's the express opposite of what we need. We need to be raising our children yes. with love. We need to be yes. raising our kids with validation, with kindness. Exactly. And we need to be raising our boys. I mean, I've got a son and, um, you know, I've raised him to own his emotions. Yes. Own them. Yes. And exactly. allow them to come through and give him the, um, the wisdom because emotions are messengers and they give us messages. Usually. They give us wisdom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's, and especially if men, like, they ignore their emotions and they can take it out on their spouse or their kids or whatever. And so that's what happens with oppressed uh, emotions, that you actually will release them, but it won't be in a, in a good way of releasing them. Yeah. yeah. So how has your kind of... Um, so you've gone from being religious when you were younger, probably having that imposed on you. Yes, that's why I had it, yeah. Yeah. Hugely imposed on me. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. why I went to Bible college. I wouldn't have gone to Bible college if that was not imposed on me because I grew up in a religious family. So yeah. Yeah, and I just want to say I'm I'm not in saying any of this having to go at anybody who's religious out there, anybody who's Christian, nothing like that. But there are certain um, sects of that, or you know, um, the way people interpret things that. Can yeah, we're be... very fundamental. That's yes, fundamentalism. Fundamental, but we were very fundamental. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a small group of Christians, and not every Christian is one of them. So, yeah. That's it, exactly, yes. Yeah. And um, interestingly, actually, my parents are very fundamentalist too. And it seems oh, it's, yeah. it's a very um, unhealthy mindset, fundamentalism in anything, you know. Hugely, if, yes, fundamentalism in anything. I 100% agree, yes. It, it, it's, it's very unhealthy. So so you found your way to um, spirituality. Yeah. And it actually helped me out so tremendously because I didn't see God as um, a, a guy with a old guy with a beard sitting on a throne, but God to me became this cosmic consciousness. He became he, God was not even the heat. That's even a bad term for God. God was the the all the I am. I guess you could say um, to me. So God just was like everything. Basically, it was not just one particular individual, but you God is an experience. Like I forgot that one quote says that we we are. Um, we are spiritual beings ex experiencing earth or, or human existence kind of thing. Yes. And so God became that to me and not just a little um, God they taught me in church where he's like always angry, always mean, always wants to judge you for everything. And that also was harmful too. Always, God's always judging you. Yes. And so yes. yeah, that's very destructive. Yeah. That just makes you afraid. It makes yes. you afraid. Of, yeah. Yeah. So with your spirituality, did you have, have you had any kind of like, really spiritual experiences that have kind of kind of yeah have, yeah yeah has really great experience experiences i remember the first one i had it was actually it was actually actual projection i was laying on my floor took a nap and it's you know boom i'm outside of my body i'm looking at my body from the ceiling down i'm like oh man that's me and while i was looking at my body almost like i didn't have no desire to go back into it i was like what's the purpose of going back into it and um, when I when I had that experience, there was another gentleman that was next to me. He must have been a spirit guy. I don't know, but he was a um uh, a Native American gentleman. He says, "You want to discover more about who you are and your destiny." That's what he told me. And um, from there, I remember just flying like I don't know, like like the speed of light as I felt like through these tunnels. And next, you know, I, I found myself back in my body again. And when I went in my body, I, I felt the jolt and these vibrations that came from my crown chakra all the way down to my foot. And I was like, it was like I was like just vibrating. And I went, whoa, what's that? You know, like, it totally freaked me out. And so that was, like, one of my first experiences with um, something supernatural. And so that really put an impression on me that there's something greater. And it and actually it caused me to even question religion. I'm thinking, well, I didn't go to hell. I didn't go to heaven, per se. What's going on here, you know? So <laughs> I questioned that, you know? So when did that experience, that sounds like what they call, like, a Kundalini-type experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's all Kundalini experience. Yeah, that happened to me, I think I was maybe in my 20s. So right now I'm 44. And so um, the, at least the body's age. And so, yeah, that happened to me in, in probably 23, 24. Yeah. And that definitely shook me. It rocked my world. I'm like, what in the world is that? 
And I don't know who the old Asian um, uh, Native American gentleman was, but it was really cool. Like, okay, I might go show me <laughs> different things. And um, and from there, it's interesting because I have now I have a one headmate, um, one author. His name is Eli, and he talks that same way. He's a very highly spiritual teacher, like really high level teacher. He almost like like when I talk to him, I talk to the Buddha. So it's pretty cool. Right. So do you sort of see him as like a kind of a higher self, or like your highest intuition, your highest consciousness? Yeah, definitely. I see more of like a higher self, a higher intuition. Yeah. Because the other headmates, they they do they do have um aspects of this spiritual. I have one headmate that's a complete atheist. I don't believe nothing spiritual. <laughs> we try to work with him, trying to tell him, hey, there's something deeper out there. But um yeah, but Eli is definitely more of the the spiritual kind of guy. Of the he's he's more like the I guess you can call him the the symptom chaplain. He's like the the chaplain of the whole system. So, yeah. Right. Okay. So when you need some wise counsel, you go and speak. Yeah, to him. I talk to Eli. Yeah, yeah. he'll tell me stuff. Yeah. And they'll tell me some really deep, insightful stuff about me and what's going on in nature of consciousness. And he talks to me about parallel universes. He talks to me all kinds of stuff. And then, because I asked him, I asked him one of my authors, basically a lot of them, I said, where do you guys come from? And they told me they're alien, they said they are alien technology, which I was like, what? When the world's alien technology? And that brought me to a whole nother, like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what you guys mean by you guys are alien technology, but it's, it's, it's weird. So I'll put that out there. It was kind of out there, but you know, okay. I, I must say, I do believe in that stuff. But I'm thinking it's out there. Like, okay, what's going on? Because I had yeah. a few experiences of me feeling like I was like sucked out of my body, going to different dimensions. So I don't know what's going on. So yeah, I decided. Yeah, I suppose it kind of um, experiences like that are um, well. Yeah, they just make you question everything, don't they? Yes, question the nature of reality, the nature of being human, like. Who are we as humans and where are we going to go? Because we talked earlier about the whole old vibration of, you know, this growing up in a trauma. And that's the old stuff. But I think that we are going to go into, into I guess you can call it a new age or new understanding of, mm -hmm. of consciousness and who we are as humans. I think that some people are not going to evolve. Some people are just going to stay the way they are. And they're not going to evolve. And others are going to evolve. And mm -hmm. so I can see evolution in, in some scale is going to happen. And I believe it, it, it will happen. But um, humanity has to say yes to the evolution of that consciousness and not just, because it's not just going to happen. We've got to actually have a, an agreement with the universe to do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, so what What do you think? Um, so here's a weird question, but I think you'll be up for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> My life is weird, so go ahead. Okay, so... Do you feel, it's actually a controversial question as well, but mm -hmm. do you feel like your experience, your trauma experience and how you responded to it is a kind of like, um, has kind of, I don't know, pushed you forward in evolution fast, quickly, accelerated your evolution? Yes. Yes, I feel that it definitely has definitely pushed me forward and definitely quicker, yeah. Because yeah. almost like, in a way, um, when the trauma happened, because I always go backwards and forwards in this, I, like, I was thinking, well, what, since I'm a plural individual, I have many people living inside of me. Was I born that way and that trauma triggered that? When when I got the trauma, this, this turned that thing on and I'm able to experience that in a much more, I guess, real way? And so I, but definitely, um, being plural definitely pushed me light head, light years ahead of where where I was before with religion. But somehow trauma did something that caused me to, I guess, awaken mm -hmm. in a way. In a way. Yeah, and I don't know I how mean, that happened. Yeah, I mean, I said it was like a controversial question, obviously, because by, in, I just want to say that in no way, shape, or form am I saying yes. that you know trauma that the kind of trauma that you went through was a good thing it isn't well no trauma is never good but no, yeah I, I understand what you're saying yeah yeah but, um but almost like that um scripture i think it says in the bible that whatever is meant for harm or, or bad god will turn around for good and it's kind of like that even though it was something bad happened the universe turned it around for good yeah and i also i i'm a firm believer that we have choice so um, yes. I, I believe that we do have free will in the sense of how we respond to things. We might not always be able to, you know, um, we can't dictate our life and know exactly what's going to happen to us, but we do have free will in how we respond to things. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right now I'm a little bit of disassociated right now. I'm sorry about that because I feel like another author wants to pop in, but I don't know who is doing it right now. So I'm trying okay. to stay put right now as Benjamin, <laughs> but if I don't, I'm sorry about that. Well, whoever whoever wants to speak is very welcome. So if anybody wants yeah, to thank you in, so much. they are obviously very welcome. So Yeah. And the hardest part about living with dead DID, it's almost when you wake up in the morning, you don't know who you are. I think that's the worst thing ever is that that um, identity crisis. Sometimes it'll take me like a, maybe like 20, 30 minutes to figure out who I am. So I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I'm thinking, I don't know who you are. It's almost like you are like everything is not real and you don't know what's going on. It's like you're completely disassociated from reality at that point. And so this morning, I had to figure out who I was. So I woke up a little bit early because I know I was going to do a meeting with you. I'm thinking, I don't know who I am right now. So if you ask me if I'm with Benjamin or with Adam, I'm, I'm like, I don't know to tell us. <laughs> right, so, okay. Well, I do know some things. I, I should ask you whether you like peanut butter and jelly. I, I just watched yeah. one of your videos. And you, yeah. <laughs> how you ask you, how you figure out who who you are, whether you like rap, because Adam doesn't like rap. Is that right? No, he doesn't like rap. But yeah. Kevin loves rap, yes. Right. So, yeah, we actually wrote those questions down to figure out who we are. Do we like peanut butter and jelly? What's going on? So, yeah. And so I actually got the idea from my therapist. He said, I want you to make a checklist of, of what you like and what you dislike, and you can just narrow down what um personality is fronting. That's and really so, cool, actually. That's a really good yeah. idea. Yeah. And so we've been using it, so we decided to share it on our YouTube channel about it to help other systems out who are dealing with that same issue. That's, that's really yeah. good. Okay, so so when you wake up, okay, so you wake up and you don't know who is fronting. Correct, yeah. So then you, you have to kind of figure out who's fronting. Okay, um, on your channel, um, you said a few times that it's very difficult living with DID. It's got a lot of challenges. Huge challenges, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially because um, our body's married. And so um, the wife has, sometimes it can be really hard with, with, with Amy, my wife, that, um, uh, yeah, it can be really difficult for her. Because sometimes an altar, some altars she get along with, some altars she does not get along with. And so um, and so every now and then, every time I wake up in the morning, she's next to me, she asks me, who's who's here? Because she has no clue who's going to be fronting for the day. Right. And so it can be, so to her, it's taking her for a loop too, because she's not used to dealing with this. She did have a sister that has borderline personality disorder, so she kind of stands about how personalities can can shift and change. So she has that as a, as a backdrop. But dealing with DID, she says it's a little bit more of a challenge for her. So we're learning how to um work through that. And so we go to we also have family therapy sessions too, because I have my own individual session for did. Then we have a family session for for did as well, so the whole family can understand what's going on with me. That's really good. Yeah. That is really good. I, have yeah. you been married a long time? Uh, yes, about 12 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So so you did you get your diagnosis in that time period, I guess? Yes, yeah. in that time period, yes. Because I, I told my wife, she didn't marry Adam. She married um, another alter in our system named Robert. And yeah. so um, she didn't know that she married Robert. And to um, Robert fronted, she realized, oh, that's the guy I, I fell in love with. That's the guy that I knew. She's like, that's weird. Her tour was kind of strange. It was because she realized it was she realized a different personality right away that was Robert. So, and she didn't know his name was Robert. She thought it was Adam, but then she found out his name was Robert. So, okay. So she's had it, this has been quite a a ride for your wife as well. <laughs> yes, usually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So okay. So how do you deal with um? So you're semi co you're semi conscious, aren't you? Of different yeah. semi. Yeah, some authors, yeah. Like Nicole was speaking in my head just a few moments ago. So yes, we're semi co conscious, which was good. That's I'm, I'm glad because the amnesia is scary when it happens. Because sometimes I went on um dissociation fugues where an author would take over completely. I don't know where the heck I am, and that's scary. I don't like that. And so if I can lower the if we can learn how to lower the amnesia barriers it's, it feels so much more secure because it's kind of scary when we because it feels like I, how i explain to my friends like having the ideas like living in a haunted house like stuff moves around you don't know where things are at and you're thinking okay where did i put that you know whatever on the kitchen table and you find out it's somewhere else because the altar moved it 
And so it's kind of like living in a, in a supernatural haunted house every every day. So it's, right. it's, it's definitely a ride. Wow. That's, that's yeah. That gives, I think that gives a lot of insight, that description yeah. of what yeah. it must be like. Yeah. What about um, working and stuff like that? Because you, you said oh, something about interview. Hard. Yeah. Yeah, interviews are hard. Yeah. When it comes to interviewing, sometimes it can be very difficult because, first of all, interview itself is very a nervous, racking thing because you really want the job. And yeah. so when I when we interview, it's hard for me to actually pass sometimes the interview because I get nervous. And if I get too nervous, then another author will front and they'll have no clue what the conversation was about with the interviewer. And so the interviewer has to say, OK, um, they don't know. They don't kind of like are dumbfounded because I don't know what to say. Because the author is not actually continuing the conversation as much as before. It was, um, yeah, before, yeah. So, is there anything that um, helps you to lower the amnesic barriers? Is there anything that makes it kind of more likely that the barriers will be lower? Yeah, when I talked to my um, therapist, Lynn, he told me um, basically uh to meditate he gave me this five uh step breathing techniques that we can use to actually lower the amnesia and actually help ground us obviously gives time grounding ground and ground is the key to it so this i guess meditation because there's really no medication you can take with the idea yes you can take medication for anxiety and stuff like which we should probably get something made from for anxiety but there's nothing for did pacific so i guess that's the best thing to do for us is to meditate and actually try to think of positive thoughts and not you know, think about the doom and gloom, I guess, of the interview if we're actually interviewing for a job or, or whatever it may be. So, yeah. So, basically, I suppose feeling safe is obviously a key. Yes, because, yes, feeling safe because the normal response is always a fight or flight response, which our brain has been trained to do since we were small. Yeah. And so, if we have that fight or flight response and we feel nervous about something, we're going to leave the room and someone else is going to front that can deal with that issue. So, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, I'm just thinking about amnesia in general. I mean, I think um, there are certain um, plants, let's say, that can remove. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, that, that uh, lower That's the... That's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. Mm. definitely. Because um, nature gives us a lot of things. And so I definitely agree with that 100%. Yeah. 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 And it's actually better than the, um, the, course, the laboratory stuff that man has made. Definitely. I uh, definitely agree with that yeah so with the um so how long was Eli out did you kind of um you know how was there a big space between discovering different altars oh uh, yes um the first one that I discovered of course was it actually was Nicole she was the first one I, I discovered in the system because she's always around and so I'm thinking okay Nikki's around and so Okay, she says, don't call her Nikki, sorry. But yeah, um, Nikki, Nicole was around. And so um, I discovered Nicole. And from Nicole, I discovered the others. And Eli, I kind of discovered in the middle of a channeling session, actually, that's how I discovered Eli. Because he was just directed towards me, not anyone else in the room. And so that was kind of freaky to me. And so, and he's telling me about all my trauma and stuff. I'm thinking, oh, why in the hell is this guy telling me about all this trauma? I'm trying to actually do um, a session for a client that they're paying for. And so I'm thinking, yeah. what's this going on with this? And so, yeah, so... It's interesting, isn't it? Because if you're like doing a session for a client, then you're you're changing your brainwave state, aren't you? If you're if you were channeling yes. something like that, you're going yes. into like alpha brainwave state. Yes, that is very true. That's interesting you mentioned about brainwave state because um we have I've discovered that um I can listen to like um baronal beats or some kind of um uh, uh different kind of frequencies. And different altars will front on different frequencies. And when you channel in the same thing with spirit, the spirits are in different frequencies. And so it has to do with the brain waves and how that how it is matching different frequencies. Um, yeah, different frequencies are matching each other and therefore you gain communication. You mean almost as if they'd been programmed in at different frequencies. Exactly. Yes. Mm. And so I know that Nicole, she fronts at maybe 900 hertz or something like that, that if I put on something around there, boom, she'll come out. Because she, that's a frequency that she can tap into. So it's really that, interesting. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? So. Yeah, I'm thinking my 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 therapist doesn't know anything. I told him about that. He's like, he's like, man, that's really cool. I never heard that before. I'm like, yeah, you probably won't see that in the um peer review journals, but that's what <laughs> I was discovered. You know? Yeah. No, there's a um there is 
a um mind control um what's it called mind control like um program um healing program called the silver method um yeah online silvermethod.com i think it is and um that's all about um it, it gives you a lot of information about you know your different brainwave levels like alpha beta delta mm. theta yeah. gamma you know um and um it gives you different um like um hypnotic exercises to do and to tune oh, wow. in teaches you to tune yeah. in and come out at will it's just very interesting i think you might yeah. find that yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely interesting. Yeah, because yeah, being in the idea is basically like being in a hypnotic state. You're actually right about that. And so it has definitely to do with brain frequencies and brain waves are definitely part of it. Absolutely. And I think as well, I know for myself, the reason I looked at this silver method is because it, it was it's quite similar to um something I um did myself. I, I I created like a method, a healing method that was um you know sort of based around self-hypnosis so it's going into that yeah. um alpha yeah and the, the silver method very sort of similar so i think it's sort of um i'm just a firm believer that we should be taught this kind of stuff at school that we need to know more about our minds our brains the way they work and um you know, yeah, we, this should be common knowledge. We should we should know how our minds work because otherwise we can't use yes. them optimally. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, and the I mind is such a big mystery. Yeah, like we 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 use you right. You use the mind as much. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. So it's with manifesting and and all this sort of thing, you know, that we need to kind of access different brainwave states to make that happen effectively exactly yes mm. yes even with even with manifestation absolutely is you have to tap into a certain frequency and you, your brain can can harness that that energy it's, it's out there you just have to um able it's almost like you have to become a receiver yes and once you become a receiver you're able to do that so, absolutely yeah. absolutely it's very interesting that you said about being able to see auras and an energy because i've always been able to see auras too and energy around oh. people wow that is cool that you're yeah. able to see auras. Yes. So when did that start for you? Was like was you young when that happened or? Um, I don't know when it started. Like, I think I was probably very young, but I remember it. I first remember it when I was made to go to church when I was a child, and mm. I was bored. Yeah. And so I was looking at the preach. You know the preacher and um yeah there would be like an aura around him and i oh, could wow. see it that's cool because i was that's bored, cool. you know yeah yeah so i'd just be staring at him and you know your eyes lose focus a little bit because you're kind it of does. going into yes. different yeah going into a slightly different brainwave state and then you can oh see yeah the definitely yeah exactly that's how it happens in the altered state of consciousness you are able to tap into energy absolutely so do you come that from very cool I'm just really curious. Do you come from like a family of psychics, by any chance? Uh yes, actually. Um, yes, actually. Um, I have um a few um uh, aunts and great uncles that um that my mom actually told me about. Them. I used to like used to do like seances and mediumship and stuff like that. And so I I know that from uh, um the past because my mother told me about that. And um, my grandfather he's the one to introduce introduced the family more into Christianity, so they kind of like lost that. But I know that from the past of um of my family that there were people that who were into mediumship and um and channeling. Yeah, okay. So I guess that kind of, so I guess that kind of flew on my lap here, and I didn't know anything about it. This, this, I, that's who, who I was. You know, ever since I was born, I was able to do those things, and trauma just accelerated it from somehow for some reason. So yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that trauma accelerates or can accelerate these yeah. abilities as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, so I can I can totally see with that background how it, the whole DID thing and everything would could, would have been confusing um, because you're already not yeah. the average Joe. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you've already yeah. got some unusual kind of... Um, abilities let's say and sensitivities yes 
And I think because once I started to realize how that the idea had to contact other clients and say, well, I can't do readings for you anymore. And I have a couple clients like, I don't care if it's altered, just tell me something kind of thing. <laughs> and so um, I said, OK. And so whatever the author says, and it actually was like spot on. And like, this is they're like, that's cool that your author knew that. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of cool. And it's kind of scary at the same time. <laughs> I don't know how my author knows that. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes um, the scary part of these things can be just that they're unknown and we don't really understand how it works. And that's what scares people. Yes, that's just, true. Just like fear of the unknown. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So what So what do you do? Are you going to make your channel like your job? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked that question, actually, because we actually was actually discussing, I think, yesterday. Because we have no clue where direction to take the channel. We don't know if we're taking more on a psychology approach or, or we're taking more on a spiritual approach. And we think more on the paranormal kind of side of it. But because um, we know that every system believes in spirituality and what's going on. Some people are just like, so nervous about what's happening to them that they just want just the natural um, physical side of what the idea is. And so we don't want to alienate those systems either. And so we may do like a dual thing saying, yes, we understand psychology because psychology and spirituality, they kind of like, you know, close you know because you, your mind and spirit are very close and so we might kind of kind of kind of do both but we kind of want to take the idea more in a spiritual kind of understanding of it and there's a lot of systems out there who are spiritual systems who who understand this under who have this understanding and we also are part of something called a plural association and in which is on uh the owner of that is called a stronghold system and they're very spiritual themselves and so we're definitely learning uh, a lot of systems uh, tend to uh, lean a little bit more towards the spiritual understanding of it, because what you learn in the psychology books isn't really, it's, it's good, but it doesn't really explain what's really going on with you. So, yeah. Yeah, it, no, it doesn't, does it? I mean, you, you yeah. sort of, you know, we're mind, body and spirit, aren't we? And exactly. I think, yeah. yeah. And I think when you've been put through extreme experiences, it it's the spiritual part that gets you through it. Yes, hugely. Yeah, because your physical. The... Sorry, go on. Oh yes, because without that spirituality, right? Um, I don't know where we have. we yeah, something bad could have happened to us easily. So spiritual part is huge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know you can't do anything about your body when you're a little child. There's nothing you can do about your body if someone else is, you know, yeah, basically perpetrating. Yeah. Um, but your spirit is something you can kind of. Or, or can um, help you, I guess, in, in those situations. Yeah, yeah. 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 So what, oh. what, what are some things that you really want people to know about, about DID and about living with DID? What, what things do you want people who don't have DID to know about it? That's a good question. Mm. That's hard to live with very hard to live with and that every day is an adventure with DID like especially um just living life just life life in general if you're if you're a singlet that means if you don't have any other people living in your head life can be difficult but with DID it's like an extra kind of thing so it's, it's much more harder to get around I would say yeah um, how would you how would you like to see things change in terms of like the approach to treating people with DID from the medical point of view? That's a good question. Um, we would like to see the medical community and the psychological community just embrace those people, not to fake claim them, not to um, say they're hysterical or something like that, but basically just to, to believe them and actually um, to help them out and help them move through the trauma. And some psychologists, I think that the only, um, uh, uh, end result is integration, which is not. Some systems don't want to integrate. Some systems want to stay plural, but they just want to um, learn how to live with it. And so just to be open with those people. And those and there's some people who want integration. That's fine if they want to go that route. But just to be open and, and um, be validating to those systems, which is very, very huge. And sometimes the psychological communicate don't really want to validate people because I think they're afraid of it themselves. Yeah. And so, yeah. So just to be open, it helps out so much. Because it's, it's a battle to learn how to love yourself. Loving yourself is the hugest battle in the world. Because going to church always told me, love God, love God. But what about loving myself? Mm -hmm. And so that's huge. So, yeah. Have you found that um, 
have you found what, what things have helped you with that the most and um, self-love and yeah that's a good question i would say just of course meditation i would say is number one with that because when you go within yourself you're able to discover a lot of things you know and i realized that when i went in myself it was kind of it was like a haunted house with a bunch of cobwebs and different things and it were um you know all the stuff i had to work through so just basically working through your trauma by just meditating and going deep within really helped me out a lot because I was able to have that different perspective by going within. Like Jesus even said that the kingdom of heaven is within you. So to go within yourself and to find that and discover that kingdom can change your life. So did you find peace within yourself? Have you found peace? Yeah, I would say I found more peace. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely more peace. Not Not peace about what happened, but peace of... It's almost like a, a being, like like I like how Eli says it. So he says it's like a state of being. Once you understand how to how to be, then you can able to ground yourself in that being. Yeah, absolutely. I can really relate to that. I can really relate to yeah. the grounding aspect of what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Totally. So yeah. okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on and and talking. You're I could talk to you for a long time. It's been so yeah. interesting. I'd love to have yeah. you back on again sometime. Yeah, we would love to be back on, yes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, we thank you too because your channel is a, is a blessing to many other people. How to um, how to recognize the trauma, how to move past their trauma, and by, you know, how you, you give great tips on um, energy and, and um, how to manifest the, the future you want. Even though your past may not be what you wanted it to be, you have power over your future. And so I love the fact you teach people how to manifest the future they desire, which is powerful. Yeah, I think it's just so important that people, um, that we see each other as people, that we stop exactly. judging, we stop the division, we stop the, you know, especially people who've gone through trauma. It's crazy yes, to, to crazy. alienate, you know, yeah, and to, to, to cause... Um, to give people the wrong impression and that, you know, to kind of um, almost like vilify it when people. Yes. Are, it's just. That's exactly, that's the exact word. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's uh, so, so yeah, I, I, you know, um, I really welcome people who have the courage that you do um coming on and I'm I'm really grateful that you you're open for sharing and for anyone who hasn't been on um Adam's channel um it's called the Anderson system on yes. YouTube please go and check it out you'll be very very um enlightened by it I think it's it's uh it's one of those channels I I could sit there for a long time it's one of those I could spend a lot of time yeah. you know when you <laughs> thank you yeah, you sat there for sort of half an hour and, you know, you, yeah. and time goes quickly. So um, please go and check out um, his channel. It's really cool. And thank you. Thank you again so much. Yeah. Oh, and one more thing, too, is um, how we got the name the Anderson system was because of the doctor that diagnosed us. His last name was Anderson. And so I figured, oh, oh he diagnosed with DID, so we call ourselves the Anderson system. That's, so that's really how we cool. Got it. Yeah, it's it's such a cool name. I love it, the Anderson system. Very yeah, cool. Yeah, my wife says it sounds like the Matrix. So, yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, it's kind of like the Matrix. Yeah, it does. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, please go and check it out. And thank you. Thank you so much.